Hey guys, I'm Simmer, a student at Harvard University. And I'm Raja, a student at King's College London. And this is That Medic Podcast. We provide a student's take on all things medicine through interviews with leaders in the healthcare space. In this podcast, I spoke to Abdul Mahmood, a final year medical student at University College London. Abdul's gone on to do a variety of things in the tech space, from a residency at Facebook to more recently an internship at Google. In today's show, we talked about making that jump from medicine to computer science. Whether you're a tech nerd or not, today's show is perfect for anyone interested in setting up a digital startup in the future. So guys, without further ado, let's have a listen. Abdul, welcome to uh, the Medi Podcast. Yeah, thank you so much for, for being on the show. Hi there, Roger. Uh, yeah, thank you very much. And I'm um, looking forward to it. Uh, so Abdul, you know, we normally start the podcast uh, by asking the question, you know, why did you decide to study medicine? So I came, I came to the UK from, from Libya uh, and I came at kind of age five or something. And, um, and kind of, I didn't grow up in the most kind of favorable circumstances, but I remember that academia was kind of like a strong narrative in our family. And obviously you looked at academia as like, it's almost a guaranteed safe job. Medicine is very privileged in the sense that it's a great job to do. You're helping people and caring for them, but you also uh, in a very privileged position in the sense that you've got great job, uh, uh, kind of uh, job security great job satisfaction uh, and that's kind of initially what led me to that because I was always interested I was thinking around with like hardware I was thinking around with like electronics um, uh, a bit of gaming like I was I was doing a lot of things trying to set up s- stupid little kind of companies on the side and, yeah. and failing so I kind of went into medicine because I was I was lucky enough to be doing well in my academics and it seemed like just a natural choice if you didn't know what you really wanted to do right like yeah. There wasn't, I mean, I'm interested in entrepreneurship. There wasn't something called entrepreneurship at university, right? And I came from a family where it's like, you had to go to uni because there was nothing else to, there was no kind of generational wealth or there's no like, oh, go off and have an experiment for a few years as a startup. That concept didn't exist in my head. It was get a job. So I had these passions, but I knew I needed to go do something interesting. And it, it was, a, it was, I think it was a great fit for me. Um, it definitely was a great fit for me and the type of person I was at 18 years old. Um, so yeah, so that's why I got into it. Like the and at the time, I was really interested in. I started to get interested in humanitarian medicine. I wanted to be when I was eighteen, nineteen, and the first year medical kind of. I wanted to be the doctor that went around and travelled to war zones and was really in the cutting edge of that type of trauma pre-hospital care medicine. And I did a lot of the stuff in my first few years of medical actually around that stuff. So that was why I kind of got into medicine, I think, and that's what I tended towards uh, as I started my career. Yeah. So you mentioned, you know, that sort of passion for humanitarian medicine. And, you know, interestingly enough, even before medical school started, uh, you, know, you actually had that sort of war zone exposure. I just wonder if you could tell the listeners, uh, you know, a bit about that sort of experience. Uh, basically, what happened was that I didn't know any kind of doctors or anything to get work experience in the UK. Right. Um, and I was applying, like, you know, I was applying, I was trying to do my best. and I wasn't getting anything. And also because I was 16 at the time and some of my hospitals wanted to be 17 or 18. So I was like, okay, I'm from Libya. I know some contacts in Libya. Let me see if I can kind of somehow, somehow uh, see if I can go over there and stay at, uh, kind of stay at w- with family members and go and volunteer in the hospitals there. Um, I, yeah, I didn't mention, but that was kind of what started to develop my interest in humanitarian medicine. Um, mm. It was a pretty weird experience, man. It was um, like, as a hospital, obviously there was a civil war brewing and um luckily it was also safe like you can kind of get about your daily life and i just wanted to get some work experience so i could put on my personal statement for UCAS, you know so I, yeah so like i remember working in the hospital and 
And I even put this line in the personal statement. It was just, it was Ramadan. So it was really hot days and I was fasting and I was just all day in since the morning to the evening in the emergency room. And I just, wow. the day was just go by like that because I was just hands on. They were expecting me to be active after a few days uh, of warming up of like, here's where the stitches are. Here's where this is. I was basically almost like a doctor level of responsibilities on the oh, basic right. stuff. Right. Like yeah. treating, treating wounds with wow. iodine, like wrapping up wounds, um, helping doctors. And it was the kind of experience that for, for good reason, you don't get in the NHS at that age for yeah. very good reason. But because of the circumstances, I was very fortunate to see that interesting side of medicine, which is somehow still a passion and love of mine, that kind of pre-hospital trauma side of medicine. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, that Libya experience kind of made me grow up in terms of like traveling abroad on my own the first time. Um, and, uh, uh, and yeah, it was just an insight into our medicine. I was like, there's something really viscerally amazing, satisfying about this. Um, and that's kind of what, as I, that's, that's the mentality I had as I got into the first years of med school here. It's great to see that sort of passion for medicine you're coming from a very early age. Uh, but of course, over the course of medical school, you haven't just been passionate about medicine, you've also been passionate about technology as well. So my real question here is, you know, why do you decide to get involved in technology? You're coming from a medical background. Yeah, so I guess I was, uh, since I guess I was a kid, I yeah. was always interested in it. Like, I'm sure every kid was sort of, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to build gaming PCs, basically. And I guess that's what I was trying to optimize for was, how can I like, hack the game so I can download them illegally and play them illegally. Yeah, it was all, all my love for technology in the early days was centered around gaming. Like I wanted to have the best computer parts. I'd buy computer parts and build them together. Um, and yeah, and then that's how I got into like, I got into being able to tweak some of the game settings um, uh, via the computer and how you do that. So you can get cheat basically in games that didn't have cheat mode. And yeah. I started really being interested in, in like how computers worked under the hood. Uh, and then aside from kind of HTML, CSS, um, that took me up until maybe like 16, 17. And then I really got into med school uh, and got into like medicine and, uh, and that interested things. So I had, a, I had a, like a pretty beefed up gaming PC, but that was kind of my interest in technology took a hiatus. It kind of stopped for a little bit. And aside from some web development, uh, some basic web development, I didn't really code or anything for kind of like three, four years of my life where I was at med school. Yeah. Uh, and then I joined the army briefly before coming back with a vigor. Uh, so, so yeah. So absolutely, you know, you sort of touched on coding there. You know, would you say it's essential to sort of be able to code to really get involved with technology, you know, coming from a medical background? Yeah, this is a, this is a tricky one. I've changed my mind on, like, if you'd asked me last year, I would have told you kind of like every medic needed to code. Mm-hmm. Um, I've kind of changed my position. I've just finished up my master's uh, now uh, in computer science, and I've kind of slowly changed my position over the course of the year. And I realize it's because it's a very naive approach. And I think a lot of medics feel this pressure to, oh, I've got a code, I've got a code, right? Yeah. Um, and I was on the receiving end of this because I get a lot of my friends messaging me being like, oh, man, I've got some free time. Like, what's a great programming course? I send them <laughs> some links to some stuff that I've really enjoyed and like some really high quality stuff. And I think yeah. this is the best. And I'm telling them yeah. this and then learn that and what's, what you're interested in. But you check in with them in a few weeks and, and they've kind of dropped off. And that's not because they're, they aren't motivated people. No, they're very disciplined, motivated, some of the most intelligent people. Mm-hmm. It's because of interest and passion. Uh, and that's the kind of hard question that I will ask, tell anyone that asks me, like, oh, how do you code? Or how do you get into coding? Is if you're not, if you don't feel an innate interest in it, I, it's, don't do it. The kind of like, that's just a simple line. There are many things you can be passionate about as a medic mm-hmm. um, and do alongside that you don't have to kind of learn coding. And, there's this narrative being peddled now that I probably used to peddle myself to be honest a year ago is that like, 
if you don't learn how to code, you know, med, you're going to fall behind the curve in medicine because AI is coming and this and that. Yeah. And I think that's completely overhyped often with any two technology, like there's something called the Gartner cycle of hype, right? Uh, I don't know if you've heard of this, but it's the idea that some technologies initially get a lot of hype and excitement. And then, it, then there's like a disappointment phase. And then there's a plateau of like, oh, this is useful, but it didn't change the world like we thought it would. Yeah. Um, so if your listeners are interested, they can look, up, look that up and see where some of the technologies before in the past have been on that cycle. But yeah, like back to the, back to the original point, and you've got to analyze, am I, am I the right, am I kind of, what do I want to do with coding? That's the first question. Mm-hmm. Um, do I, if I've got something I'm really passionate about that I want to build, one of my, one of my closest friends uh, wanted to build a, a tool for morphine calculations. Like she saw doctors doing it manually, right? Um, and, and was like, surely this must be a better way and she didn't approach it with the fact of like oh i'm gonna build a startup out of it and then i'm gonna do this because trust me building a startup that's gonna go into the wards while you're in medical school is a very very semi-impossible task Hmm. um so she just thought of it as like this would be a cool thing to see if i can automate myself right and Hmm. at home over a bunch of weekends she basically taught herself because she was project first like she chose something that was interesting for her and then taught herself a tool to do that problem or solve that problem right That's the approach you should have. If you don't have a problem that you want to solve by learning to code, then I'm not saying completely don't do it. I'm just saying that you're going to find, a very, find it very difficult to remain motivated because it's also very hard and frustrating and annoying. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. No, I definitely agree. I think the sort of most important thing when it comes to coding is, is really just coding with a purpose, right? And, and once you have that sort, of, that sort of problem you want to tackle, I think it does make that whole sort of process of even learning to code you know, much easier. Uh, but of course, if coding is not really your thing, there are other ways of really getting involved with technology. And you know, one of the popular ways is actually by going to hackathons. And you know, I actually understand you've been to one previously with the, the Boston Consulting Group. So just wondering if you could tell the listeners a bit about that sort of experience. Yeah, so that was around about year four time. Um, I, yeah, so year three, year four, I'd done my BSc in year three. Uh, and then I, in year four, I, I got out of the army. And then that's when I really started to get reinvigorated, like I said before, about uh, technology and so on and that's because I had a startup actually yeah one of those you know like medical student with a startup type thing um <laughs> where it was kind of like a part-time gig to be honest yeah. um uh, and it was looking at kind of maternal healthcare and I was like oh like everyone like this thing's interesting this is a cool problem like can I solve solve it and so on and then I came across a hackathon and I was like oh hackathon's a great place well, well at first actually I was like a hackathon sounded intimidating right mm-hmm. um but then I realized like okay they seem to be a place where engineers hang out, right? Yeah. Or like where a lot of hacking is done. So maybe I should go there to go find an engineer to help me build this, uh, build this idea I have. Uh, and then I applied to this one. It was, and realized it was actually targeted for doctors as well as engineers. And it was great in that sense because it was a great introduction to Hackathon mm-hmm. in the sense that they brought together um, engineers, doctors, uh, kind of UX designers, and put them all in a room and basically gave them a problem to solve for 24 hours. And... This is what makes hackathons great, and this is why I recommend everyone. So unlike coding, where I'm like putting caveats on it, I recommend everyone un- under the sun to go off and do a hackathon, um, because hackathon is just saying like you come to a table with a with a bunch of teammates and you have a problem, and everyone says I'm good at this, I'm good at this, I'm good at this, and you try to brainstorm it, and then you split off the task based on your skill sets. Um, so you don't need to code. Like coding is maybe like thirty percent of the problem, right? Or maybe you need someone who's a great designer. Someone who's a medic who understands if it's a healthcare problem you're solving, understands the condition, can look up the medical jargon and explain it to the team. Um, so yeah, like hackathons are not for just engineers. Hackathons are not just for hacking. 
therefore like solving a problem basically or hacking together a solution to a problem i should say um so yeah so i got involved with bcg hackathon i loved it i met some great teammates that i added to my kind of startup um uh which is now a distant memory but uh yeah so we continued to that for a few weeks and, and it was great and i went to a few other hackathons and so i'm, I'm sure we'll get to a point of later uh, but like i did it did two hackathons at google um and that's kind of helped me kind of in, in, in getting a job later on. So they are useful for networking as well. Um, so I definitely recommend not skipping out on hackathons. Yeah, I like how you address the sort of, you know, misconceptions around hackathons. I think, especially at the moment, you know, a lot of medical students look at it like, you know, I don't know how to code. I don't know how to build a company or set up a startup. Uh, but I think, you know, what they don't realize is the fact that when you go there, you know, you meet people from different backgrounds and different skill sets. And, you know, you really learn a lot from the whole sort of process. So, you know, as you said, I, d- I definitely recommend it for, for students that are listening. Now, after this sort of great experience, you, know, you went off and pursued a, a master's degree in computer science at UCL. I'm just wondering if you could tell the listeners, uh, of course, a bit about your sort of decision to study computer science, uh, but also a bit about the sort of application process and, you know, what it really takes to get a place. So I guess this all links together through my really meandering journey of, of what I want to do with my life throughout my six years of medical but at this point i guess so I, if, if we orientate ourselves i just finished the hackathon i was running this kind of like semi-startup looking at like baby maternal healthcare, right um and i was getting frustrated initially with the idea that like i was trying to get basically i wasn't fully successful with my mission of getting an engineer to join the team um so i was getting frustrated because progress was really slow and i'd listen to all these like podcast startups and this and that and and they'd be like you need engineers on the team. You need this and that, and oh, like, yeah. you need to have someone that builds and <laughs> yeah. right. Uh, and and for a good and for a good reason. Like like um, and my team, you know, was kind of a startup full of other medics. Basically, if you have a startup of three medics, which I learned the hard way, like I'm not slating anyone. Um, <laughs> that's probably you need to have some serious questions about like, are you just replicating the same skill set three times? Um, because um, so yes, yeah, so I was in this position where like everyone had the same skill set in my team. If we had a team of three, right? Like if this ever became a real startup, um, you're splitting equity three ways on the same skill set. Like no one's adding anything new to the team. Um, so anyway, I was getting really frustrated and and I was trying to get this. All I had was mock-ups, right? Um, and I mean, I knew I had. And I started really, like I said earlier, like trying to get get back into code and so on. And I did a CS50 course uh, to just yeah. refresh myself. Um, and really understand and realize actually there's a lot more to code than just you know JavaScript, HTML, CSS, and so on. Um, so I was doing that alongside my studying year four, and in the hope of trying to be able to build something for myself. And I kind of basically was chipping away at this like an hour and a half, an hour a day for like pretty much a year uh, before I got to year five. Um, and by then, like that startup had fizzled out, and I found uh, a, f- a friend of mine uh, called uh, uh, Yasmin, who's also studying medicine with me. Um, and we both became interested in what Big Data became another uh, kind of another side project called AvaMD, where we're looking at like trying to automate OSCEs. So um, okay, these yeah. are the exams that medical students take, obviously. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> where instead of having a uh, your friend act as an actor, you can have our voice bot act as an actor. Um, oh, yeah. So basically, it was a voice and uh, it was a kind of an AI uh, voice based um, uh, idea, and we kind of like coded a bit of it using our crappy knowledge like python and so on on like <laughs> this software called Dialogflow by google um and so yeah so this was ticking along and we went to a google hackathon me and her and um it was really inspiring like a lot of engineers and so on and we're like okay 
this 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 is this is pretty cool and like we've showed kind of people what we built and so on and people are actually like okay i can see where this is going and yeah. i was like this is useful i like this like <laughs> this feeling of like i've learned something and i've applied it and, and yeah. it feels great and we were like and then she came up with the idea i was like oh should we take a year out it was like between fifth year and sixth year um I was like, what do you mean take a year? Like, you know, going to be doctors next year. Like, <laughs> uh, and she's like, well, we could, you could go off and do a, like a, a master's in computer science or something. Um, and we looked at what's available and applied. Um, and yeah, so I applied. And the goal was like to really just develop, take a year out to work on the skill sets needed that we were thought were interesting. And that initially it was just to help me be able to build startups, right? Like I want to be able to, to code and, and to, if I have come up with an idea, I can build a crappy version of it in, in, yeah. in under 48 hours. Um, so, so yeah, we applied. I funny story. She she got in. Uh, she was clearly much more talented than I am. She she got in right away, and I was basically rejected oh, wow. um, from the UCL program. And I was like, oh bummer, man. Like, yeah. I guess I'm just gonna go back to online courses. Which, by the way, <laughs> yeah. probably better better than a university degree. Um, <laughs> but so, and this is I guess like as a story. I'm I'm saying this for for a purpose. Um, so, I was like, oh okay, I guess. I guess that's it. I mean, they had like 700 applications to like 50 wow. spots or something. Um, yeah, it was quite competitive for a master's program. Um, so because it was like UCL and it had good, good connections to a lot of the, lot of the nearby technology firms um, like DeepMind and so on. So I, uh, I was like, okay, I'm not going to accept this. After a few days thinking, I was like, I'm not going to accept this. And I decided to, I'm going to go find the admissions tutor for this, uh, for this, for this course. I'm going to knock on a door and be like, why are you not why are you turning down such amazing talent like yeah, myself? Yeah, um, I'm with you. Yeah. so i tried to like Brilliant. yeah i tried to turn up to the computer science office um and they were like uh no sorry maybe like you know you can't see the admissions tutor and we're not telling you uh who she is so i went back i was like okay i tried to google her name because i knew she had an office at ucl i found i found the office i rocked up and it was empty i was like i've got the wrong information okay. uh, i was like you know what i'm giving up on this idea i went home and I was like, you know, I'm probably going to go to final year next year. And then my dad was like, you know what, give it another try. Um, maybe she'd, she'd missed her or something. I was like, even then, like, she's probably going to say no. Like, they've already decided who's going to be in or not. Mm-hmm. And I turned up the, sec- the second day when I tried. Um, I walked in, her office was closed. Again, I walked into a corridor of her office. Yeah. Uh, her, her office was closed and it was empty. But then outside, there was like, basically, there'd been a meeting room and they'd just finished. And it had like, some snacks outside. Yeah. I was like, you know what? I came to this office every day and I've been rejected. I'm going to treat myself to some chocolate brownies. And instead of stuffing myself with like a chocolate clear or something, I'm walking <laughs> out and I go face to face with the admissions teacher. Yeah. And she was like, uh, excuse me. I was like, uh, please, like, I'm, I'm, I've sorted out my, like an internship the next year. I hadn't, but I just waffled. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So next year, I'm really passionate about this. Like I really, and this and that and all the stuff I put in my personal statement. And she was like, um, I'm not the admissions teacher. I was like, oh what? man, but I'll see. Uh, yeah. It turned out basically they, they don't tell you who the admissions tutor is. They put a face in so people don't mob them like I did. Oh but she, God. I think, took pity on me and was like, I'll go speak to the admissions tutor and see if we can do anything about this. And that night I got an offer. My rejection got turned into an offer. So long-winded story, but the moral wow. of the story is um, um, even if you get a rejection, like I realized like, you could probably hustle your way into anything 50% of the time. Wow. I think, um, you know, the real reason for sort of saying this podcast in the first place uh, was to really inspire students to do things they wouldn't usually do in medical school. And, you know, hopefully for, for students that are listening at the moment, uh, hopefully they'll feel sort of inspired to go out of their comfort zone and to really, you know, make the most and explore opportunities within healthcare. Uh, so, you know, thank you so much for sort of sharing that with us. 
Now, before your sort of masquerade started, uh, I understand you actually spent some time uh, on the Facebook residency program. I just wonder if you could tell the listeners you know, a bit about that sort of experience. And again, you know, what you learned from the whole sort of process. So I guess I got accepted into the, into the master's program, right? Uh, and over the summer, finishing my fifth year, before, like, I had about two months before I started my master's program. Um, we really sat down once we got exams out of the way and started to try and iterate over some prototypes. Um, and we kind of built two working scenarios, one of, like, a patient with asthma and one with a patient with a heart attack uh, and fully interactive. And we... Um, so we built it out and then we kind of just started testing with, with, uh, with people in the library. We set up shop in the library um, and just grab medical students and be like, do you want to have a go on this thing? And just kind of let them play with it, basically, uh, without kind of showing them any instructions or anything. Just speak to the voice and, and, and see where you go. Mm-hmm. Um, and we found that actually, after a few stages, we could get it to a point where like it wouldn't break throughout a whole analysis of like an asthma attack. Um, and then we deployed it in Messenger to see. And because we deployed on a Facebook platform, right, um, on, on Facebook Messenger, yeah. uh, the idea was that we thought that, you know, Messenger would mean that, like, you could text, I guess, practice your OSCE scenarios via text, yeah. which a few startups are actually now doing. Um, so we were at this point, right, we were just testing with some users, we had some ideas, and we came across this Facebook accelerator where it seemed like it was, like, it seemed pretty, like a pretty serious accelerator. Yeah. Um, but we vastly underestimated it. We were like, you know, we'll just put an application in. And a week later, we got, we got say, an offer for an interview. That's brilliant. We're like, okay, this must, be, this must be a complete joke because they've interviewed <laughs> us, right? Like, we, we are, like, we, we have is an idea yeah. and we have so, some, some kind of scrappy code to, to show for this product. Yeah. Uh, we came in, we got interviewed, and we got completely ripped apart. There was, like, this head of, head of apps engineering or something at Facebook and word, yeah. uh, some few program engineers. Uh, and we got ripped apart. Like, they were asking some serious, like, serious questions uh, about like business monetization this and that and like how facebook could help and this uh, because the deal was that you would be basically based at facebook um, mm. facebook london um, and you'd be working with their product managers their engineers and integrating facebook that you know this platform with billions of users into into the, like using that to, to kind of help get your thing off the ground because it's built on facebook technology um, and you'd get office space and access to investors and so on so that reasonably, we were being grilled, understandably, you know, but we left them like, you know, we probably rejected and we got an offer and we were accepted and, and we got in and we were surprised. It was like 13 startups. Uh, they took a bet on us and I'll get to, I'll get to a good point about this later, but they took a bet on us, they said, because we were the earliest startup there. I mean, there were startups there from Skype's earliest employees. They'd spun off a new startup that had like, it was wow. doing really well. There was yeah. a startup, there's a couple of YC startups in there. Yeah. Um, so the caliber was really high. And we were the youngest bunch of guys not knowing what we were doing. I mean, wow. imposter syndrome was very yeah. real. Um, and when we asked them, why did you pick us, right? Like, there's some seriously talented people in the room. I mean, the acceptance rates were 0.5% uh, for startups across Europe, oh. Middle East, and Asia, and Africa. Uh, so we were just in shell shock. Like, why us? And, yeah. and this is what they said, and this kind of links, is the fact that they thought we, they didn't care about IBO too much. They thought it was great, obviously. It had to be a great idea. but they cared about the individuals they said as medics which you know a lot of people look up to as like a very rigorous academic field and you know you must be quite intelligent to study yeah. medicine um and the fact that you had computer science masters right meant that you were people that could even if this idea didn't work another idea would work and they invested in us as people right and i'm sure you're interested kind of in vc firms and so on i'm sure you know this is that like sometimes some vc firms invest in pre-idea like invest in people um 
like you're a smart team we think you're going to go somewhere um so uh so yeah and that was the moral of the story is that like having something that makes you different as a medic can go a very long way in winning you credibility um and in winning you um kind of a foot in the door or some of these things that's uh you know that's really interesting i think and i think doing medicine itself you know definitely does provide you uh, with that sort of unique perspective on things you know having that sort of scientific background to to you know back your sort of clinical thinking right is is definitely a vital skill to have but i think sometimes it's very important for students to take a step back sometimes and, and just reflect on the sort of other skills they already possess and seeing how they can apply those skills uh, to medicine so you know as i said earlier i think it's, it's important to you know push the boundaries and, and really they try and do things you know outside their comfort zone i think that's the, the really important point and abdul i'm quite interested to sort of understand you know what you've been up to sort of more recently uh, in the technology space you know following from your sort of great experience at facebook so kind of from following from facebook i was interested in like in the role of a product manager um so i was wondering like how would how would one break into into that role or, uh, because i felt like it was the kind of the perfect role for me in terms of it was it sat at the intersection of kind of like um, business side of things uh, design and uh, and kind of programming as well but the problem is that there isn't that many entry-level routes aside from a few so there's an associate product manager program by google and they run an internship program every year um so i was like you know let let me apply um so yeah the application i put in an application for an internship in the summer um and kind of the the odds were ridiculous i think it was like they told us in the end uh, it was like ten thousand to 40 places there's only 40 places around the world um uh so i had to like try and maximize any chances i had at, like for example like try to reach out for referrals because a lot of tech companies work on referrals so it gets you to the next stage um and you need to also be uh, quite technical uh so you need there's two elements to 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 the program you have to be technical enough you're not meant to code but you're meant to be able to go through an engineer's code and and be able to understand what he's done and why he did it so um you definitely need to be a code. So there was like coding interviews involved and there was also like the management consulting type of interviews which are like breaking down a business um trying to figure out the pricing structure of a of a of a new product how do you enter a new market um so yeah so so the prep for that was quite intense i mean i i'd given myself basically a month to prepare because i decided very late that i wanted to apply to this um so kind of my advice for that was like i basically just downloaded the best book for it on the internet that i could find uh, it's called cracking the case sorry cracking the um uh, product management interview and i literally sat down and just consumed that book and you're meant to practice the same way in management consulting. You're meant to practice with case partners and so on. Uh, I didn't have any, I didn't know anyone basically in product management who I could practice with. So I basically just like answered all my answers on like this document uh, and just every answer they could ask me, like uh, all the type case type questions and also preparing for the coding interviews. So which is like all about system design and like they would give you a problem and how would you build it um, and what technology stack would you use? So it was a rigorous process, and I was—I guess—I was also very lucky to, to, yeah, so so to be able to get an offer. Um, so yeah, so I start in London. Um, so in two weeks' time, actually, uh, it was meant to be on site. Obviously, you know, getting all the Google Google perks and yeah, and the free food and that. So it's remote, sadly. <laughs> um, but um, uh, right now, like uh, I'm, I'll probably get assigned to a team, so I get given a product manager, and my job will basically be to come up with. I'm working on, um, so I can't say too much more working on, but I'm working on basically some of the search functionality. So when you look up art on on Google, so if you look up anything art related on Google, I kind of 
um, responsible building something that comes up in response. So hopefully in a few months, I'll be able to kind of announce it. Um, so it's pretty cool as, as, a, as a job. And I think a lot of medics have this fear that they only know medicine and that's the only thing they're going to be good for. So what company would want them? And actually, no, you're, all the companies really want is someone intelligent, right? Like you have to be adaptable um, and that's it. Like you get thrown in and then you figure it out. Yeah. Abdul, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Uh, but before we go, I was just wondering if you had, you know, three sort of tips uh, that you could give to current medical students. Um, the first is explore all your curiosities and passions whilst in medical school, because it's the only time you have to do that. Second is uh, invest in productivity and organization. And third is learn how to unwind and relax. Yeah. Abdul, you know, thank you so much and, uh, and best of luck for the future. Thank you very much. And, and you too. Best of luck. Well, and hopefully we'll catch up soon. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Make sure to subscribe, rate us, and leave a review. You can head to the description of this episode to follow us on social media so that you don't miss out on any of our content.